try to pick up where we left off on last Sunday. Man, there's a shout. There's a shout in the building. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like I'm talking to some folk. We're not going to wait till the pandemic is over. But we're going to go ahead and shout right now. Glory. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, bless your day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. James chapter 4, verse 7. Amen. We're going to actually read down through to verse 10. Scripture reads, therefore, submit to God. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, submit, surrender, subject yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Father, we pray this morning that you would send forth your word with clarity, with accuracy, and with power. We pray that understanding will be like an anointing resting on every person that is in need of hearing from you. We ask today that the word not simply instruct us or inform us, but we pray that conviction be attached to this word that causes us even after the benediction to take what we've received and to do the hard work of making it a revelation in our lives. That's what we're praying for, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And Lord, let us manifest the life of Christ from the few words that we'll receive today. Your word is already anointed, but people need your anointing. And so Father, I pray you start with me manifest your anointing in my life that I do no damage to the word of God but speak only those things that make for sound doctrine for this God we give you glory and praise in Jesus name and the church said amen amen come on give God another clap offering everybody hallelujah hallelujah bless the name of the Lord amen James chapter 4 verse 7 is our focus verse this morning Amen. Again, good morning to everybody. God bless you. That verse says simply, therefore, submit to God. We talked about this on last Sunday. We'll review it a little bit here again today. And then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so this morning, I want to talk to you from just that, that latter portion of verse 7. Resist the devil. Amen. Come on, say that. Resist the devil. Uh, as we're moving forward in this time of teaching, praise God, you may be seated. Rick Renner, who is a renowned uh, Greek uh, scholar, he uh, gives a contemporary translation or paraphrase of uh, this portion of uh, James chapter 4 and verse 7 that says to resist the devil. Come on, say that again. Resist the devil. Renner says that we are to stand firmly against the devil. That's right. Be unbending and unyielding in the way you resist him so that he knows he is up against a serious contender. If you take this kind of stand against him, he will tuck his tail and run like a criminal who knows the day of prosecution is upon him. Once you start resisting him, he will flee from you in terror. Somebody always say, thank God. I, I like that. I like the way that he puts that praise the Lord because he know he lets us know 
what will happen when we stand firmly against the devil. Now, I want to say this before I dive into this message. You know, there are some people who make too big of a deal of the devil. Uh, I'm reminded of a story where one day this deacon was going into the church and on the way into the church, he saw the devil sitting out in the parking lot crying. Puddles of tears were everywhere. And he said, what in the world is wrong with you? And the devil said, those people inside the church, they lying on me. He said, I ain't do all that stuff they said I did. They blaming me for everything that has happened. Amen. And there are people who tend to do that. They tend to blame the devil for everything that has happened. They see a devil behind every situation, behind every door. That's one extreme. But then on the other extreme are individuals who do not acknowledge the devil or the enemy's ability and power at all. I think both of them are dangerous extremes, and so we need to have a healthy balance as it pertains to the things that uh, 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 of darkness or the things of the devil, amen, or the things of the kingdom of darkness. So in our last message uh, from this particular portion of scripture, uh, we talked to you from the thought, submit to God. We shared with you the imperative need to submit to God. And one of the things we hope to do today is to bring a balanced teaching to spiritual warfare. Amen. This really could be called spiritual warfare 101. But last week we sought to share uh, this with you in terms of submitting to God as a part of our uh, or as a reminder of our ultimate purpose. You can move forward on the screen in life, which is to please the Father by doing his will. His will for this particular local expression of, of the body is that he has called us, he has consecrated and commissioned us to prepare his people for the push to the finish. We all know that we're living in the last days, but no man knows the day or the hour when, when the Son of Man will return. But we do realize that there's a sense of urgency about pushing to the finish. And we told you that this means and this entails that we must, we must uh, ready and equip ourselves and we must ready and equip others through the revelation of the word of God, amen, through the revelation of his word so that we can be and do uh, that which manifests the life of Christ. We must give ourselves to presenting to the Father what he has always desired, which is a family of sons just like his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we told you that this apostolic gifting that rests on this house and on this ministry, glory to God, uh, uh, we can be found in Galatians 4 and verse 19 in terms of how it works its way out. Where Paul says, my little children, amen, he, he says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. That's Galatians 4, 19. And then Paul also says in, uh, in the book of Colossians, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says, him or Christ we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature or complete in Christ Jesus. To this end, he says, I also labor, striving according to his working, which is working in me mightily. And so we as a church, we as a, a local uh, expression of the body of Christ, a local assembly, we, we, we are fully embracing and seeking to manifest certain New Testament realities and we've committed ourselves to the same which is seeing you and seeing others become just like Jesus somebody say but that means we got to resist the devil and now one of the questions I told you I shared with you that I asked myself as I sat before the Lord with this portion of scripture is how does this uh, passage or this portion fit within the greater call of this ministry to raise up full grown sons to the father and to build the father's house. Remember as a ministry we are committed more than ever to building the father's house and we know that when we speak of, of his house we're speaking ultimately of of God's people. His house, his household is made up of his people. Amen, somebody. Hebrews 3 verse 6 tells us that we are his house. Come on, say we are his house. 
if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And Ephesians 2 and verse 19 tells us that we are of the household of God. And then verses 21 and 22 say to us that we are growing into a holy temple that is to be a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and 5 also that we are being built up a spiritual house. Come on, say a spiritual house. That's what the Lord is making us. He is building, amen, us into becoming a spiritual house. And so I looked at this passage and considered the blueprint diagram uh, upon which we've committed to basing all of our teaching and our preaching. And I determined that James chapter 4 verse 7 through 10, it ties back to these things that are found in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Uh, repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and then thirdly, the three main relationships in life which are God and life circumstances and, and, uh, and also self and others. Amen. God and life circumstances and then self and others. And, and I feel led of the Holy Spirit just to say that in the midst of this Corona pandemic, that God is still God and God is still good. Amen. And if you know God, like the Bible says, we know that God is sovereign. In other words, the doctors don't have the final say. The scientists don't have the final say. Our governmental officials don't have the final say. The Lord who is sovereign, he has the final say. Amen. And so in the midst of life circumstances, I need to know that whatever the circumstances are, that God is sovereign and God is good. Come on, say that to yourself. God is sovereign and God is good. Amen. This passage also requires that we effectively and properly apply the cross of Christ to our lives in order that we may fully acquire and live in light of a proper view of ourselves. We've got to see ourselves like God sees us. Amen. And we're going to get into that today as we talk about resisting the devil. It's important, praise the Lord, that we see ourselves like the scripture speaks of us. Now, beloved, I do not believe that any of this will ever be possible if we are not a people who consistently submit to God. We've got to consistently subject ourselves to, to, to God in our lives. And as we shall see here in a moment, not only do we need to submit to God, but we also need to resist the devil. And that's what I want to talk to us about. I want to talk to us about resist the devil. You see, James, he initially identifies the devil by implication in chapter one, verses 12 through 16. He says there, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord had has promised to those who love him. And, and to give an explanation of the origin or the source of temptation in our lives, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Amen. So if God is not the source of our temptation, then it must be coming from the other camp. Amen, somebody. For God does, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Amen. And so so James is giving us to understand he is identifying the devil as the source of temptation. And he describes how he attempts to take advantage of our own desires. That's why Jesus had the testimony, amen, that there was nothing in him that the devil could use. Amen. That ought to be a goal or aim for us that the Lord so sanctify us and purify us that there is no longer anything in us that the devil can use. All of the buttons that the devil used to be able to push and to cause certain reactions out of us those buttons would have be, been reprogrammed to the glory of God. Somebody say resist the devil. 
James let us know, lets us know in verse one, chapter one, verse 16, that the devil is a master deceiver as he desires us to not be able to distinguish his temptation from our father's test or trials. Amen. Of our faith. And, and, it's, and it's important for us to understand the strategies and the schemes of the devil. When God is testing our faith is usually where the devil shows up with a, with a plan or a scheme for temptation to try to get you uh, to walk through what God is testing you with in another manner. Amen. He will try to offer to you an alternative instead of doing it God's way. But last week I believe a group of people wrote up that says I'm submitted to God even when I'm going through I'm submitted to God even if it's a rough place I'm submitted to God even if I don't know what in the world going on around me I am submitted to God amen and so and so in our specific context praise the Lord and back over in chapter 4 James introduces an aspect of the work of the devil in chapter 3 verse 15 and 16 he says that this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual and demonic it is earthly sensual and demonic for where envy and self-seeking exists confusion and everything are there somebody to say amen so so here James is is discussing wisdom which is essentially demonic amen in other words if it originated originates from the earth if it originates with man he says that it is sensual and that it is demonic he is illustrating a contrast between wisdom from above in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3 and wisdom which does not descend from above but wisdom which is earthly and sensual and demonic and is rooted in envy and strife and notice this wisdom that is earthly and sensual and demonic it always causes confusion and it opens the door for every evil thing hallelujah you need to check the source of the wisdom that you're working amen and then in James chapter four, it is the devil who also desires to tempt us into wars in verse one to tempt us into wars and fight. It's the devil that desires to provoke us to lust after what we do not have and to murder and covet, but never obtain. Verse two, it is the devil that seeks to to have us fight and war and do not receive because we do not ask. Also in verse two, he wants us to be independent saints. He wants us to be prayerless. He wants us to believe and to behave like spiritual orphans instead of spiritual sons and daughters. But I dare you to confess I am a child of God. In verse three, we are told when we do ask, he intends for us to ask with corrupt motives, for he knows in doing this, we will never receive anything from God. Amen. If you're if you're having a, a barren prayer life, you need to check your motives. Are they evil? Are they corrupt? Amen. Are they self-centered or are they all for the glory of God? In verse four of chapter four, we are shown what it means to be unfaithful to God and to engage in a relationship with another according to the flesh, the devil and the world. Here we see the devil as a seducer. Amen, somebody. The devil is a seducer, one who desires to lure someone who is already married, who is already betrothed to another into an adulterous relationship. In other words, he wants you to cheat on God. He wants you to have he wants you to step out of your relationship on God. And so we also see here that to be friends, even with the world, is to become enemies of the almighty God. In verse six, we are told how God provides grace to help us be victorious in all of this. You ought to say, Lord, I thank you for grace to be victorious. Grace will put me over. Glory be to God. Grace will, will, will not always just leave you in a place to endure, but grace will bring you out. James also tells us that we must resist we must guard against being uh, proud in every aspect of life. I'm, I'm trying to eliminate the word proud out of my vocabulary because the Bible only uses it in a negative way. 
I'm, I, I got to find me another word. Because every time the scripture uses it, it's negative. There's no such thing as godly pride. I know if somebody just got upset right there. Just because you throw godly in front of it as an adjective, that doesn't change what pride is. God hates the proud. I'm teaching better y'all saying amen. See, it is the proud who have the almighty God standing in opposition or in battle array against them. Amen. And if we are to resist the devil, we must be humble. Come on, say, I must be humble. Because it is the humble who are the recipients of God's amazing grace. Somebody ought to thank God for grace. This all brings us to our verse of focus, verse seven, where the writer instructs us that if we want to resist the devil, we must first submit to God. If we want to resist the devil, we must first resist to God. Amen. We're moving forward. I, I, I believe I have this uh, this statement that to try to help. De define or describe what it means when we say resisting the devil. Resisting the devil is to refuse to live any other way except by faith in God. Because if all other wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic, then I only need to live by the wisdom of God. I don't need to live by the wisdom of the culture. I don't need to live by the wisdom of my mom. I love my mama, but I can't live by her wisdom if her wisdom is, is not equal to the wisdom of God, extrapolated from the wisdom of God. So, so resisting the devil is to refuse to live in any other way except by faith in God. This is what James is after, saint. Saints, he is after a people that continues to mature in the Lord who prove themselves recipients of wisdom from above because they live a lifestyle of faith. What is faith? Obedience to the revealed will of God. It's dependence and trust and reliance on God. The scripture says that without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's not what the Bible says. So we must live a lifestyle of faith. I believe, I believe that this particular epistle is a blueprint for resisting the devil. The whole thing. So let's look at some words. Amen. Let's look at the word resist. Let's look at the word resist. I had a little chuckle as I looked at this word. It's a compound Greek word made up of two words. Anti, which means against or to, uh, to oppose something, and histamine, to cause to stand. I thought about antihistamines with all these allergies going around. <laughs> Amen. I had a little chuckle. I said, Lord, look at this right here. That's what the antihistamine does, right? It, it blocks something in our respiratory nasal system. Amen. And causes us not to sneeze all over the place. Those that suffer from allergies. Amen. But when these when these two words are placed into one word, this forms the Greek word antihistamine, and it means to stand or against or to stand in opposition. Come on, say resist. resist. Say antihistamine. Amen. See, it, this is a word that demonstrates the attitude of one who is fiercely opposed. To something and therefore determines that he will do everything within his power to resist it, to stand against it, and to defy in opposition. Come on, say, resist the devil. Now, let's look at this word for devil. Amen. Devil is a compound word, also, it is uh, it's diabolos, and it's the, the Greek word dia, which means through. And between and then balo, B-A-L-L-O, which means to cast or to throw. When these two words are joined in, joined, praise the Lord, it means, now listen to this, to repetitiously throw something, striking it again and again and again until the object being struck has finally been completely penetrated. It refers to a false accuser, a slanderer, one who utters false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. It, it, it refers to a person who is a backbiter, who, is, who gives malicious commentary about one who is not present. It is one who is given to malicious gossip or a calumniator. 
a calumniator, one who utters maliciously false statements, charges, or imputations about. Amen. This term imputes malice to the speaker and falsity to the assertions. Amen. And so when we say devil, we mean more than him individually, but we are also including his kingdom of darkness and his power over the world system because the devil is not God and he can't be everywhere at the same time because he's not omnipresent. But he does have a, 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 an organized, praise the Lord, system of darkness. There are demons. We're going to look, go to Ephesians 6 and 12. Amen. So we're not talking about him just as an individual. Is this good? Yes, Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 6. Look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. When we say resist the devil, we're not talking about people, but against principalities, against powers, against the, uh, the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a hierarchy within the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Uh, look at uh, Ephesians 2 and 2. Look at what he says. We're not just talking about an individual. It says in which you once, according to the course of this world, watch this, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's that's the devil, the spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience. One more place. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, chapter four and verse four. Second Corinthians four and verse four. Whose mind, look at this, the God of this age has blinded. Amen. The devil has the ability to blind people spiritually who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we're not talking about um, a, an individual and a, a fallen angel only, but we're also speaking of his, his kingdom of darkness and his power over the world system. So hopefully by now you understand that this word articulates for us more of a job description than it does a name. It's more of a job description than it is a name. See, it describes for us how the devil functions. Amen. He comes, listen to this, to assail your mind multiplied times. In other words, he don't take a vacation. He's not on a stay-at-home order. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. He's not practicing social distancing. Y'all ain't hear me in this church. He attacks us over and over and over in our minds and in our emotions until he wears down our resistance. He's in it for the long game. And our resistance, resistance, once it has been diminished, he seeks to level a knockout blow which allows him to penetrate even our souls. And so once this strategic and diabolical advantage has been secured, he seeks to flood our minds with a multiplicity of accusations and lies and so forth in an attempt to establish a stronghold within us. And that's what a stronghold is, right? A stronghold is, 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 is the devil continues to tell you so many lies and they keep compounding and compounding. And from this place, he seeks to further influence and control and manipulate your life. But beloved, remember this. The devil majors in accusation, in intimidation, in deception, in temptation, in destruction and in division. He seeks to usurp the authority that God rightly has over your life and the authority that the Lord has endowed in you. Therefore, we must resist him. Come on, say, Lord, help me resist the devil. So how do we resist him? How do we resist the devil? Amen. Hey, we're moving forward. First of all, we must know and understand that we cannot do this in our own power. We cannot overcome the assaults of the devil. That's why you have a shield of faith whereby you may quench the fiery darts of the devil. 
He don't have to get, get in close. He can shoot a dart from across the room, across the world. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Amen. But we cannot overcome the assaults of the devil and walk in victory in our own strength. We need power from on high. Come on, say, Lord, give me power from on high. The Lord Jesus Christ, while here on earth, he had he had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost in order to overcome the attacks of the devil. Turn to Matthew chapter four, verses three through eleven. Amen. Matthew chapter four, verse three through eleven. Jesus had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us in verse one that the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Amen. And in verse three, now when the tempter, that's that's the devil, that's a part of his nature came to him and he said if you are the son of God now God just said that he is the son of God my beloved son in whom I am well pleased you know that's one of the places where the devil will try to attack you at the level of your identity that's why you got to know that you are a child of God and you don't have to prove it come on say I am what he says I am but he says I'm his son. It's, but look how Jesus, look how Jesus handled him. He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, now this is, this is a part of resistance. You just can't sit there and let the devil keep on talking to you and you don't talk back. But it's important what you say. He says it is written. Amen. He pulled out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Two more times the devil, the devil tempted the Lord Jesus. And each time Jesus came back with the word. Amen. And that's and we need to learn. We need to notice how Christ handled the assault of the devil. Now, listen to me closely. The battlefield of life is littered with the bodies of those who attempt to engage the enemy in their own strength. But we must abide in the power of the Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter six and verse 10. We must abide if we're going to have victory. We must abide in the power of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in who? In the Lord and in the power of his might. Not your own power, not your own might, praise the Lord, but the power and the might of the Lord. It's like Zechariah says, Zechariah 4 and 6, not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith God. Say amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul tells Timothy, you therefore, my son, watch this, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Amen. That, that's the Greek word in, in dunomeo. It's an inside job. We, we need the Lord to be strong on the inside of us, empowering us on the inside. Amen. Taking over our soul, taking over our mind, our will, our imagination, our intellect and our emotion. Come on, say, Lord, take over in me. Next, we cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices, his schemes, his strategies. His, amen. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter two and verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter two. And verse 11, the devil has studied the word of God. Amen. Come on. He, he knows the Bible. He comes to church. He sends his emissaries to the Lord's house. Second Corinthians chapter two. Look at verse 11. Paul says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. That's get you in a submission hole. So you tap out. Say, man, he says, for, but look, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, you have to go back and read this on your own. Paul had given them instructions to forgive a brother. The only power in earth that is stronger than the miracle working power of God is unforgiveness. Amen. And the devil pits one believer against another. See, some of us, we can't get out. We can't receive forgiveness. Jesus told you, if you don't forgive them, I'm not going to forgive you. Forgiveness will block the miracle working power of God in your life. That's why you got to forgive those that have wronged you. Forgive your debtors. Amen. Amen. Don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. 
He'll, he'll drive that as a wedge between you and what God wants to do in your life. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Ephesians 4 and verse 27. There we're going to see, amen, that resisting the devil means we cannot allow him any room in our lives. We can't let him have any room to operate. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Uh, look, look at what he says there. Ephesians 4 and verse 27. Nor give place or opportunity to the devil, which means you've got to be watchful. You've got to be sober. He wants, Lord have mercy, why y'all staying at home for, for uh, silly squabbles to break out? Everything was going smooth. All of a sudden, you in your corner and she in hers. What happened? You made room for the devil. You gave him an opportunity. No, you've got to shut the devil out, change the locks, Put some bazookas, some, uh, M, some guns, all the other kind of stuff out there. That when he comes, shoot first, we're asking questions later. Amen. Look, look, next, we must be constantly aware that the devil wants to lure us into being those under his influence. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. I told you that he is the prince of the power of the air. He's the God of this world. So he wants to use the world system to bring you under his influence. The Bible says, do not love the world. Do not love the world. Let me say that again. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love them. You can appreciate them, but don't love them. If anyone loves the world, that means you're entangled. You're in bondage with the world. And if you're entangled and in bondage with the world, you're a friend of the world. That means God sees you as an enemy of himself. He says here, he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. You cannot serve God and mammon. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eye. A lust of the flesh, rather. The lust of the eyes and the pride. Why y'all think Hollywood is so effective? It uses images, sight, and sound to communicate a certain message because it knows he only has three weapons. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I mean, why they just can't show ice cream? Why does it have to have chocolate dripping all down the side, warm and melted? Because it's got to work on your eyes. Amen. All right. So, so he says, this is not of the father, but it is of the world. Now, here's why we, another reason why we shouldn't love the world. And the world is passing away. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, he who lives a lifestyle of faith will abide forever. Amen. That means you're going to remain. Amen. Glory be to God. Yes, so, so, so saints, we are indeed in the world, but we are not to live like the world. This is what the devil desires. He wants us to live like the world, but we have made up our minds that we're going to resist him. We are not to become, we are, we are rather, we are to become more and more spiritual and less and less carnal and soulish. Resisting the devil requires supernatural weapons. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. Don't you make the mistake of thinking that the devil is flesh and blood. He's an angel. He's supernatural. He's not from this world. So to, 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 to successfully uh, cause him or to successfully resist him, you must have supernatural weapons. Second Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons, look at this, of our warfare, they are not carnal, they are not fleshly, they are not, they are not uh, human, but they are mighty in or through God. See, our weapons, amen, are mighty in and through God. They depend on his power, his omnipotence. Not mine, but his. His might, his strength. Amen. He says, they are, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. All those lies that the devil has seek to effectuate in your mind. Amen. These weapons pull those down. That, that word pull down means to demolish the strongholds. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into every bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's why when we pray, according to uh, uh, Philippians four and six, that when we pray, instead of being anxious, the Bible says that the Lord will give us peace that passeth all understanding that will then guard our hearts and minds. In other words, umpires what we allow into our thoughts. You know, the baseball umpire, it tells you whether it's a strike or a ball, whether you're safe or whether you're out. Well, the peace of God will cause you to have an umpire. That, so when the devil comes with all of these, no, that thought can't pass through here. Sorry. We're not accepting that today. Amen. Resisting the devil calls us to be, it calls for us to be sober minded and to be watchful. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, 9, and 10. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, 9, and 10. Is this helping anybody? Amen. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, 9, and 10. We must be sober-minded and we must be watchful. You cannot be the antelope out there at the drinking well like Alice in Wonderland and the cheetah's coming and everybody knows he's coming but you because you you're not being sober-minded and you're not being watchful. Look at what he says here, verse 8. Be sober, amen, which means be self-controlled. Be vigilant, which means be watchful. Because your adversary who? The devil. Your adversary is who? The devil. What is he doing? He's walking about like a roaring lion trying to intimidate you. With accusations, make you afraid, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to cover you up with all of these things. But what does verse 9 say? Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering. So don't you think you're the only one going through? Are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Let me throw in verse 10 for good measure. But may the God of all grace. Come on, say that's where my help comes from. Who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, even in the midst of this, I'm going to make God clear and visible. After you have suffered a while, perfect, established, and perfect, established, strengthen, and settle you. Say amen, church. Resisting the devil makes dependence on the faithfulness of God non-negotiable. You can't resist the devil consistently unless the faithfulness of God is a non-negotiable uh, uh, concept in your life. Go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at verse, verse 12 and verse 13. The Bible says, therefore, let him, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation, because they're coming. Because the devil is on his job. He's walking in his function. So no temptation has ever overtaken you except such as is common in man or common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody ought to shout about it. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God, while he's testing you, is trying to perfect you. But the devil wants you to fall in the test. God's design is not to take you out. God's design is to make you better. And he's faithful. He knows the enemy is going to smell you uh, being tested and come with that temptation. He tried it on Jesus when he took him up to the high mountain. He said, oh, man, you ain't got to go to the cross. Just bow real quick. Ain't nobody got to see it but me and you. I, I feel like Jesus looked at him and said, devil, you a liar. Because <laughs> he is. He's the father of lies. But, 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 but we need to rely on the faithfulness of God. Now, let's go back to James. Let's go back to James. We're heading down the home stretch. James chapter 4 and verse 7. But the scripture does not stop. With, with, with what the devil has the power and the ability to do. It gives us a promise. Somebody ought to say, thank God for his promises. 
it tells us that if we resist the devil after having submitted to God, that he will flee from us. That's a promise. Can I tell you something? You don't have to worry about the devil running away. You focus on the part he told you to do. Handle what you can handle. You just resist, the, resist it. He's going to flee because God has promised that he's going to run away. So it tells us that if we resist the devil after having submitted to God, he will flee from us. This word flee in the Greek, amen, as we move forward, this word flee in the Greek, it means to flee or to take flight. Now listen to this. It was used to illustrate a lawbreaker who flees in terror from a country when he had violated the law. The reason this transgressor flees so rapidly is that he desires to avoid being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Amen. So so remaining in that country would definitely lead to harsh judgment. So instead of facing the consequences, this transgressor runs for his life. Saints, the devil knows that he's a lawbreaker. He knows that every time he comes at you, a child of God, he is breaking, he is violating the law, but it doesn't stop him. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is always accusing you to you, telling you why you're not going to be this or do this or have this or why God might have spoken that prophetic word over your life, but it's never going to happen. He stands in the courts of heaven and accuses you to God. Look at him, look at him. They're sinned again. Amen. He's a lawbreaker. He also knows that if a believer, listen to this, takes a stand against him in the power of God's might, it's over. It's over. If you make a stand, it's over. In other words, if the believer resists the enemy by using his God-given authority in the name of Jesus and utilizing the word of God, it will not be long until that believer begins to overcome the devil and overcome the tactics of the enemy. Rather than allow this to occur, the devil begins to withdraw like a bully. Look for a way to escape from criminal prosecution. In, in, in the place of hanging around and trying hopelessly to defend himself against the name of Jesus and the word of God, the devil tucks his tail, hallelujah, and runs. This is what James means when he says that the devil will flee from you. So we must resist him. Come on, say we've got to resist him. In the power of God, utilizing the weapons and the wisdom of God and living a life of faith unto the glory of the Lord. So what's the takeaway? Let's go to the last slide. What's the takeaway? What's the major takeaway from this teaching? After we submit to God, we are now empowered and enabled to carry out this next command, which is to resist the devil. See, the devil wants God's seat. He wanted it from the beginning. And since he can't take the throne in heaven, he wants to take the throne in your life. But we got to stay submitted to God. This empowers us to resist the devil. Amen. And, and see, God will take care of him fleeing from us as we stand in our God-given authority. My question to you is, are you going to stand in your God-given authority? If you notice with Jesus, Jesus used the word of God. He used the, the rhema word. Somebody say, well, he was Jesus where well, he was still a man. The devil won't back up off of you. He knows you mean business when you pull out your sword. When he hears that sound, shing, right. <laughs> or pages turning, he knows, look here, this person is not playing with me today. He knows he's getting ready to be in for a fight. And don't mess around and be somebody that has ability and skill and know-how with the word. Amen? Knows how to handle the word properly. Every time he throws a, a, a thought at you, you throw the word right, at back, right back at him. Yes, Amen. Amen? So, what you must do is resist it. Yes. That's my challenge to you. Resist the devil. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank we thank you so much that uh, you've instructed us the way that you did through you. the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. There are countless examples of those who, once they stood in your power and in your might, 
they were unstoppable. Jesus spoke about the church and said that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, including the devil that's inside of the gates, will not be able to prevail against them. Father, I want to pray for that person right now that the enemy has bring, been bringing one accusation after another, reminding them of their past, trying to make them feel like that they are nothing, that they're no good, trying to overwhelm them with one fear-based lie after another. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit will begin to wash over them with your love. That your word, Father, will be like water and wash through their minds now. I pray that the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, become active in, in them and that they will begin to use these weapons to demolish every stronghold, pull down everything that has exalted itself against the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Deliver the mind today, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let us see ourselves the way that you see us. Empower that person that's struggling in that certain area with that temptation. Come on. There's some brother watching. He's struggling with pornography. Father, we pray that you would break the devil's hold off of his life now. In the name of Jesus. There, there's someone else who's struggling with coveting. God, I pray that you would allow them to see that godliness with contentment is great gain. Lord, do a work in your people manifest this word in us that a people that are submitted to you are empowered and enabled to resist the devil and, and he's fleeing from us Lord because you promised he's running like a fugitive that's afraid of the law we thank you Lord that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices Father, I pray for that person that's bound in sin this morning, that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They never repented to you. They never believed on Christ. They've never been baptized in water. Father, they, they, they have never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray today that you would take the scales off of their eyes and break every yoke, Lord, that not only would they be able to see the the, the, the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them hear it today. Make them free. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for this time. May this word produce in some 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Jesus' name, we say thank you. Right there where you are, just lift your hands and worship the Lord for a moment. Glory be to God. Elder Cox is going to come momentarily and 